Hello. Welcome to Waldman's Words with Mr. Finn McKenty. I've been a fan of Finn, which is a good tongue twister, I think, but I've been a fan of Finn's work on the YouTube, Punk Rock MBA, lots of really cool, insightful discussions, and I definitely learned a lot about pop punk and new metal from Finn, but I don't know too much about Finn's life, so I'm looking forward to getting to know him. It'll actually be the very first time that we talk with voices because we've had a few Facebook interactions and email interactions. So I think this one's going to be a pretty good one. So I think uh, it's a really good start so far. It's currently May. Enjoy, listen, tell all your friends about the show, tell your enemies about the show. You could tune in on Adobe Radio live every single Tuesday night at 5 o'clock p.m. in the Pacific time zone, P.T. baby, 8 p.m. Eastern time zone, my former locale of Long Island tunes in then, every single Sunday morning, super, super, super early, though as an old man, I'm waking up then sometimes, not very happy about that, but 5 a.m. Pacific time, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, the show reruns. You can also go on Spotify and stream all the episodes for free. You can go, whoa, I don't even know I speak English, but I'm going to keep that in here because it's real, yo. Every single outlet that has us, I'm extremely grateful for. And Spotify being one, iTunes podcast app, you can go on. You could subscribe for free. F-R-E-E, download every single episode. And of course, you can go to the home base, adobe.com, stream every single episode for free. I mean, we are giving you hours and hours of insight, dad jokes, and late 90s epitaph slash fat records quotes on the daily. You can literally, literally, literally spend a few days of your life listening to all of our shows. So one could argue that that's extremely beneficial, and one can argue the latter. I'm hoping for the former. So enjoy Waldman's words with Mr. Finn McKenty and tip your Uber drivers. Hello. Welcome to Waldman's words with Finn McKenty. Did I get McKenty right? I hope so. Yes, you did. Sweet. We're starting this off without a screw up. So how do you like them apples? I love them. I've never had a better apple. Wow. Well, you know, usually I'm a Brayburn uh, or maybe a Fuji guy, but today you're going to be an iDobby or Dobby or however you say it guy. iDobby Apple. I mean, that's almost some alliteration. Well, it could be. I mean, we could change Adobe to Adobe like Photoshop. But what's crazy is that you're here, I'm here, and I don't even know where you are, like what city, what state. Uh, I am a little bit outside Seattle in a little town called Kenmore up here on the very north end of Lake Washington. So we're in the same time zone. Are you in uh, Southern California somewhere? Yeah, I'm currently in North Hollywood slash Burbank at the Adobe studio dreaming about Macintosh apples, which they do not have out here in California. That's right. We're the apple state. Yep, we are the Apple State, but we do not have Macintosh apples. We have Macs, but on the East Coast, where I'm from, Macintosh apples are my apple of choice, A-O-C. 
don't ever eat anything but a Washington apple. That's my advice. I will do my best to starve until I go to Washington. I don't know. Most of the apples you get at the supermarket are probably from Washington. You can just look at the label and see. Huh. You know what? Honestly, we really try to educate, which is the entire point <laughs> of this show. And apples to apples, Finn is my guy. So help us help you. Help us provide some sugars and some... It's not a citrus. What is it? What is an apple? I don't even know. Uh, I don't know. They're, uh, well, I could go on. I, I'm not, I was going to tell a story about sugar content and apples, but that's horrible radio. So I'm, I'm, you know, I, pulled the, I, 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 I pulled the escape hatch on that one. Maybe it's horrible radio for you, but for me, it would be the highlight. So if you All have right. five words or less to describe this, we can go into it. It's much more than five words, so we'll skip it. Crap. Well, I'm looking right now, and the first line in the Wikipedia page on apples, and then we'll actually talk about something that one would argue is more substantive or less. An apple is a sweet, edible fruit produced by an apple tree, Malus pumilla. So there you okay, go. Okay, so far it checks out. <laughs> yeah, the theories are correct. So you are in Washington. I once had a hamburger with peanut butter on it in Seattle, and I would say in my top 10 U.S. cities, and you might hate on me for this, Seattle's up there. Why would I hate on you for that? Because you might be, like, anti-Seattle and pro-Kenmore for some reason. I don't know. Like, Oh, yeah, Kenmore. Kenmore is, like, um, you know, it's probably about as far from L.A. proper. Or, sorry, as far from Seattle as you are from L.A. proper. You know, it's only a couple miles away. Okay. Well, then my assumption slash joke was incorrect, and I apologize. Still right on its fucking face. Nice I mean, work. I mean, that's a metaphor for doing a radio show, right? <laughs> so you're from that region. I was born in 81, and I'm just assuming you're around my age. But again, when people assume Sadly, things. Sadly, a little bit older, but not by much. Okay. So then when you were growing up, were you, are you born and raised like a Washington boy all the way? Uh, yes, although I lived in Ohio for about uh, 10 or 12 years in the middle there. But uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm a Washington boy. I lived in the Midwest for four years in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So we have a little bit more in common. But growing up, you know, on the West Coast where bands would, I guess, play there on tour if possible, because it's really out of the way, Portland and yes. Seattle for a lot of bands. So that explains, I guess, more of an insular community. I watch your videos, so I'm impressed. But growing up, what were you listening to? Were your parents showing you stuff, or was it all, like, on your own? Uh, Well, I I've always listened to everything. I mean, the first thing I started listening to was rap uh, from, you know, MTV Raps in, like, 1988 or so. Um, and then I discovered you know, metal and hardcore through, again, through MTV, uh, Headbangers Ball. And like, remember the specific thing that got me into it is I saw Suicidal Tendencies in 89. They were on uh, MTV News. They were banned from playing in LA for like five years because of like gang, gang stuff. violence and stuff with their yep. shows. Yeah. Uh, and they were finally allowed to play again in 89. And they did a MTV News story about that. And, uh, for whatever reason, I decided that I needed to hear this band. I needed more of this band in my life. And so then I went out and bought the Lights, Camera, Revolution cassette, and uh, the rest is history. I mean, all you wanted was a Pepsi. Uh, wrong album, but yes. Oh, come on. I, 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 <laughs> it's not like I said um, 
Papa Don't Preach, although that would have been really, really fucking funny. We, we can work with it. Thank you. I mean, I actually used to be a full-time musician, and one of the bands I played in rehearsed one door down from the suicide, Suicidal Tendencies. I almost said Suicide Machines, who I love too, but from Suicidal Tendencies. And a lot of people may not realize this, but those guys could play. Those yes. so good. Yeah. Mike has always gotten really, really good musicians in that band. I mean, Rocky George, obviously, um, Robert Trujillo, Brooks Wackerman, and I don't know the names of the guys in the band now, but they can all fucking play. He's always, like, clearly curated a lineup of really good musicians, and then same with Infectious Grooves, too, yep. which Brooks Wackerman was in also. And also, that was the house band at the prom in Encino Man, if I remember correctly. Oh, I did not remember that, but I bet you're right. You know what? I, I just remember seeing them and being like, who the hell is this band? And at, so what's crazy is I actually heard of Infectious Grooves before I heard of uh, Suicidal Tendencies. You know, I tried listening to them recently and uh, probably not something I would choose to do again. But uh, Brooks did an amazing, you know, Brooks is like the same age as me. I remember seeing them back then and I was like, dude, this guy's like the same age as me. What the fuck? Uh, it's especially amazing to me now as like an adult thinking of a little kid keeping up with those guys musically is insane. Well, my age, and this is going to either make you depressed or uplifted, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Justin Timberlake are all my age. So it's like when I was in a band that was doing marginally well and then I saw them, I was like, wow, I'm a fucking failure. Well, yeah, they're only a couple years younger than me, which is odd to think of them as being in their late 30s. You know, because to me, they are always, you know, like teenagers. I mean, in their minds, they are, too. But quick, actually analogous thing with, you know, infectious grooves to uh, suicidal tendencies. Did you ever listen to Electric Love Hogs? Uh, I remember them. I don't know if I've ever heard them or not. Uh, I remember seeing, didn't they have some really bright, obnoxious album cover or shirt or something like that? Yeah, it was like kind of like from the mother love bone school of artwork i'd say right and a lot of people don't know but before goldfinger john feldman was in like kind of an infectious grooves type like funk rock metal hybrid so that's right that's that's, right. that's who it was yeah that's right so i'm learning you this is dope so i guess growing up in uh the seattle area or kenmore pride for life whatever I'm you were listening called snohomish if oh. there are any washington people um, listening. I've never heard of that place. That's dope. It's a small town. I mean, every town's a small town until it yep. sells out, right? Right. It's the so, antique capital of the Northwest, so if anybody's into antique shopping, I would go check out Snohomish. It's a big market for people in our age bracket. So, <laughs> so I guess besides... Take that back. Um, well, you're a little older than me, Grandpa. Anyway, so suicidal tendencies. Dude, I'm old as fuck. My back hurts. I'm 38. Anyway, at Adobe, I'm the senior citizen. It's kind of nuts. I believe it. I trust me. I like. I need to put on contacts just to walk in here. So, back to you because though the show is called Waldman's Words, I want to learn about you. So, besides uh, suicidal tendencies, what else were you listening to? Because that's pretty precocious. Uh, gosh. I mean, like I said, I've always been listening to everything. I mean, I also I liked Nirvana a lot back then. I got into death metal around the same time, like Morbid Angel, like the earache stuff. Mormon Angel and Carcass and that stuff. Um, that was around a couple years. I was really into the Descendants back then and Operation Ivy. 
got really into, um, I don't know if you've seen my video about spaz, but I got the Billy talent one spaz because there's another or that's pez shit no i did not see that i've I've never actually listened to billy talent because i'm not canadian oh Uh, they're so good from very close to canada i was born in bellingham washington which is right near the canadian border uh but yeah so around that same time i got really into a band called spaz which is like uh they call it power violence band from like the bay area part of the like Gilman kind of scene um so i got really into like spaz and capitalist casualties and dystopia and like all those kind of bands, Man is the Bastard, all that stuff, Slapaham Records kind of bands. Uh, and then after that, I got really into, I mean, not that I stopped being into, I've, I've never stopped liking any of this stuff. I should be clear. It's not like I went from one thing to the other. I just always added, you know, if, I'm the sort of person that um, if I like something, I never stop liking it. You know what I mean? You mean no guilty um, pleasures. Like I still like Please Hammer Don't Hurt Them, but I don't listen to it on the reg. I just I don't mean just in music. I just mean in general. Like if oh. I I'm a I'm a pretty thoughtful person. So if I um, if I look at something, whether that is an activity or you know music or food or something, and do the calculus and decide that I like it, I'm not going to like just arbitrarily change my mind about that two years later. You know what I mean? Um, Man of conviction. Well, I I try. Uh, so then I got into a lot of the. You know, like kind of new school, then new school metalcore stuff that was coming out, like um, Snapcase and Earth Crisis and VOD and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I could go on and on forever, but that wouldn't be very interesting for people to hear about. Believe it or not, it's interesting. I mean, you know what's funny is that sometimes guests say, you know, that wouldn't be interesting or what have you. I mean, but you, you, you've said that like, a, like two or three times. And just for the record, I have you on because I think you're fucking interesting. So I appreciate just learning a little bit about this. And it sounds like you really dipped into every, you know, quote, quote unquote, underground scene. Like it's not just, you know, stuff like that would be lumped in like the LA tough guy, hardcore stuff, like, like the earache stuff and all the other things that you're talking about. Like Earth Crisis I mean, couldn't be any further from suicidal tendencies, in my opinion. So, I mean, it's all like angry people with guitars. You know what I mean? Were you one of those angry people? Did you play any instruments? Uh, yeah, I play. I mean, I'm okay at playing guitars. I could. I actually just uploaded one of my old death metal songs to Spotify yesterday. Ah. Uh, the name of the band is In Pedestalment, and the name of the song is Death to Real Metal. So you can go look it up. Uh, kind of sounds like cerebral incubation. If any of you guys are into like slam, it's basically what it is. Um, so uh, I recorded and mixed all that stuff myself. So you can decide whether I did a good job or not. Did everything other than the vocals, which is by uh, a friend of mine named Samantha Smith. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, t- I guess to me, uh, especially the older I get, but I've always felt this way. Like. It, it, there's not any real difference between like all music is the same to me in the sense that like, I mean, obviously there are formal differences between like, you know, this, this genre uses this particular sample sound or oftentimes uses this mode or scale or whatever. But, um, aside from those formal differences, I don't really see a lot of fundamental differences between music to me. It's all like the same art form to me. Uh, and I don't, I'm, I'm not, I've, I haven't found a very good way of articulating that yet, but to me, there's not 
really any fundamental difference between someone who makes drum and bass songs and someone who makes death metal songs. I mean, there's definitely, like, not every band is like Mr. Bungle, where it changes genres every second, so well, there's some I mean, similarities. Like said, there's, there's formal differences, you know. For example, I don't know, like, ska bands always do, like, you know, uh, accents on the upstroke, you know. Yep. Uh, but... I guess the formal differences don't mean very much to me. Uh, I think it's all coming from the same place in terms of like the creative spirit, if that makes sense, or mostly is there are some fundamental differences, but for the most part, I think it's coming to the same place. So I've always really struggled to like have that kind of, you know, most people, most people seem to look at genre X and genre Y and think that they couldn't be more different. And I've just never really been able to see things that way. Well, that's cool because I'd say growing up when I grew up, because I graduated high school in 99, it was kind of analogous to a high school cafeteria where, you know, there was like the Dave Matthews band table because I would say that in my high school, that was definitely the biggest band. And then there right. were the the hip hop tables, which was like kind of notorious B.I.G., stuff like Tupac and, and the people who like both of those, like I, I grew up on the East coast, but they like Tupac too. It wasn't like a turf war, but each table kind of had that kid. And in 2019, especially with, you know, new music Friday and Spotify playlists and the recent blink One Eight Two link Lil Wayne tour announcement, I feel like genre isn't as relevant now. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, it shouldn't be relevant. I noticed that I noticed that really in the beginning of like this scene era is that I would see kids who are into, you know, metalcore listening to uh, like mainstream pop without, you know, apologizing for it or anything. Not that they should. They shouldn't. I mean, you should. It's like, why would you ever apologize for consuming a form of media? That makes no sense to me. But like you said, it was very, you know, um, siloed and tribal before the cred noticed, police the cred police that? the cred police kind of like because for some reason bands of every genre possible like everyone just loves carly ray jepsen like that's the thing for like people in like dillinger escape plan to say but you know back in the 90s like the kids who are into the epitaph punk rock or the i think you would probably call it skate punk like someone who is a hardcore pennywise fan would never be like i love in sync they just wouldn't. Yeah. And then the people that I was friends with that were really into like spaz and capitalist casualties, you know, would uh, never miss an opportunity to talk shit on someone for listening to no effects. Yep. They weren't punk enough. Right. Well, so I think those days are mostly may I shouldn't say behind us, but um, it's much less of a thing than it used to be. Thank God. Although metal fans. Uh, I think are still very much stuck in that mindset, which doesn't surprise me because uh, that's what metal fans have always been like. No, I, I understand it, uh, but I really am I'm happy I'm, that people are complaining about that less, and I'm really happy that people are just complaining about Game of Thrones' finale now. Like, that makes me <laughs> so happy that people are complaining about that. Like, I don't know if your Facebook feed is that, but... So back yeah. back to you, so... You, you obviously just recorded a death metal song, but you realized that that wasn't what you wanted to do. So when you were in high school, did you go the college route or what was your career path? Because we could spend um, the second half of this 
show yeah. talking I'm about what you more do. interested in talking about careers than I am music, to be honest with you. I'm much more interested in business than I am music. Um, Good. That's why well, you're on. But, you know, this way it's 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 not a scripted combo. And I always say in the beginning, I just want to know, like, what was your musical gateway drug? And then yeah. look at this as an ad for your company. Boom. Uh, well, I mean, not just my company. I, what I'm really passionate about more than anything else is I like helping other people with their career challenges because I remember, you know, the times when it was so difficult to me. And looking back on it in hindsight, the solution was actually real, right in front of me. I just couldn't see it. And so if I can ever help anybody see that solution that's right in front of their face, then that is like the most fulfilling thing in the world to me. Well, that's altruistic of you. And for me, I, I feel it's the same way with this Adobe show. I say it a lot of the time where if like my conversation with you helped out some kid in Montana, then that's a win. Montana's a great place. I've never um, been. Well, yeah, so I did go to college, but not until I was 25, because, of course, like everyone else, when I was 18, I thought I fucking knew everything, and I didn't need to go to college because blah, 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 I'm going to take over the world anyway. And, of course, that did not happen, and I ended up getting, you know, kind of stuck in, I was, yeah, some pretty much dead-end jobs, um, and I just really, it was really struggling to find my way out of that, and I was eventually, you know, I said, fuck it, I think I need to go to school. Um and uh, so I did. When I was 25, I went to the University of Cincinnati, which is why I ended up living in the Midwest for a long time. Skyline uh, chili. Ugh, God, that stuff is. It's not chili, folks. It's Greek spaghetti. It's cinnamon. Sauce. It's terrible. It's yeah, cinnamon. It's, like it's, it's not my thing. Water, either. ground beef, and cinnamon. And yes, it's off. It's just as bad as it sounds. I was so <laughs> offended when people introduced me to that. And I was. Ugh. I was offended. Uh, anyway, so I'm offended that you were offended. Uh, First, the reason why I went there is because they actually have one of the best design programs of any school in the U.S., uh, especially probably like the number one public school program for design in the U.S., um, but it's even up there with the private programs. So I went there. I, I did two years of design there, and then I realized that really what I wanted to do was uh, was marketing. So switched and ended up getting a degree in marketing and management uh, there, which uh, is the thing that I've been really passionate about since then. I worked at an industrial design agency. We did like product development, uh, industrial design and mechanical engineering, worked on a lot of stuff for Procter and Gamble, most notably Swiffer and Febreze. So pretty much anything that's on the market for those two products. Now I probably had a hand in, in some way from the design side. Uh, after that, I worked for Abercrombie and Fitch doing marketing, uh, for about four years, uh, worked on the shopping bags and on like international, uh, flagship store rollouts in Europe and Asia. After that, I worked for an online education company called creative live where I started the music and audio channel and also did like influencer marketing for them. And then after that, I found my way to where I am now, which is I'm the director of marketing for a company called URM Academy, which is the world's, we call it the world's best online school for rock and metal producers. So if you're interested in that and go to nailthemix.com. It's kind of a flagship product if you're interested in producing metal. Well, we've had Tyler Smith on this show before. Oh, yeah. So. Tyler's great. I love him. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Very, very passionate and super smart. When he's you one were... of the few people in music who I respect intellectually. No, he's a, he's a sharp guy, and yeah. I live in L.A., so you can only imagine the intellectual people I encounter in the music business. But the thing that I found really interesting about what you just said, and then we're going to take a short break, was that you really sounded like 
not not in a bad way, in the best way possible, like on autopilot, talking about your career path, meaning you've said it before. So I've put a lot of effort into summing it up. Elevator um, pitching it? Succinctly, yeah, because that's a thing everyone should learn how to do, is how to like sum up yourself, you know, succinctly, uh, especially if, like me, you've kind of done a lot of different things. The last thing in the world you want is to be rambling and going on yep. and on and having people walk away from it going, wait, what exactly does he or she do? You mean having like an A to a B to a C? It's crazy nowadays. Well, you need to be able to people, people are uh, cognitive misers and they're not going to allocate, you know, a lot of their cognitive ability to like telling your life story. So you need to just very quickly be able to as quickly as possible, be able to spit it out for them so they know what bucket to put you in. I support the hell out of that bucket, and there's definitely no holes in that bucket. So we're going to take a short break with Mr. Finn. If you have, I guess, an adjective to describe the past 22, 23 minutes of your life, what would it be? I'm asking you, Finn. Oh, you're asking me? The past yeah, well, I mean, also, I guess uh, I'm asking everyone listening to yell it at the top of their lungs as well, but I'm asking you specifically. Uh, I don't have a clever answer for this. I'm sorry. I'm not as, I'm not a very good entertainer. Okay. So just, <laughs> just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. I just want to get down to business. Can we, let's, let's just talk about how to make some fucking money. That's the thing um, that will make me I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I, I feel bad for asking you that question. We will take a short break and we will enjoy learning about how to make some fucking money with Mr. Finn McKenty. <laughs> All right, we are back with Mr. Finn McKenty, my favorite Washington apple. Even better than the delicious Fuji apple. I would argue the same. So I want to hear about two separate things, hopefully, in this segment. One, the punk rock MBA, which is how I actually discovered, or discovered in quotes, who you are, and also what you just brought up, how to make some fucking money. So the floor is yours. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called The Punk Rock MBA, where I basically uh, talk about trends in music, essentially trying to uh, reverse engineer why people do or don't like what they like and why certain bands or labels or trends or whatever were and weren't successful. Uh, And so that kind of... I didn't ever really expect that it would get as big as it has. I mean, in the big picture, it's not giant, but I have 109,000 subscribers today, which is a lot more than I ever thought I would have. So that's been pretty cool. It's big enough to be in my Facebook feed a lot from people that aren't just you. There you go. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's a win. And, uh, really the reason I did it is because I, I, I always think it's a little, there are some reasons why this can be okay, but I always think it's a little weird when people say that they are, professionals in content marketing or social media or something like that, but don't actually have a very large following of their own. And that can be okay if they have, you know, built a huge following for something else where they can go, well, yeah, I didn't do it for myself because I don't have time because I was busy building it for Nike or something. But, um, 
you know, essentially I just wanted to be able to prove to myself and to other people that I'm good at my job, which is marketing. Um, and so that's why I started doing it. Um, so that if anybody looks me up and they're wondering, well, who is this guy? Does he actually know what he's doing? What does he know about marketing or social media? Then they look me up and they see I have a channel that gets a few million views a month and they go, okay, I guess that guy knows what he's doing. When did you go in this? I guess I don't even know the best way to put it. When did you realize you had this skill set? Well, I've been making content in one form or another since I was 15. I did zines back in the day, and then I blogged after that. And then, you know, basically, I'm going to go wherever people's attention is. Um, and in the 90s, it was zines. That was the way that I could get noticed. And in the 2000s, it was blogging. And then as blogging died, it became clear to me that video was the way to go. Um, and so I can say now I've successfully done it in three different media, which you know, to me, if you really know what you're doing, you should be able to adapt to wherever people's attention shifts to. Yeah. I mean, I could just tell you that I moved to LA in 2003 and at the time live journal and friendster were, I guess you could say digital currency in that regard. Mm -hmm. And then MySpace took over to the point where if you bought a band CD, the website on the back of the CD, even if it was on a major label, like even someone like a Katy Perry, when I Kissed a Girl was the biggest song in the world, would have the MySpace page for her on the back. Oh, wow. I, didn't, I, I, I haven't actually bought a CD since probably 2001 or something. Oh, really? So I, I well, you're the problem. That, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize that major labels were driving to MySpace. That's pretty interesting. It was the site. I mean, basically, people would buy domains for, like, let's just say Finn had a band with Scott Waldman called Finn and Scott Waldman Suck. Finn and Scott Waldman suck.com would go directly to the MySpace page. The MySpace page was it. And right, now obviously now obviously there's so many other things that didn't even exist back then, but you have to learn how to roll with everything that's going on because yep. if, if you didn't know like a Spotify playlist three years ago meant nothing. Everything so. has an expiration date. So Except for Facebook to... for some reason. <laughs> oh no. Facebook totally is done for, for like some. music well for music yeah but i'm talking like for some reason facebook is still killing it in regards to being the number one for uh, people replacing email like yeah, yes yes and no you know what um, i mean though i think or i would love to have a debate on this but um, uh it is still number one yes but there's definitely cracks in the armor so they're like um their monthly active users have gone down uh in north america which is the most important market the reason why is because north american users monetize so much better than users anywhere else so when they report like aggregate growth that's including like say india and the philippines and you know, wherever else. Uh, so they are experiencing net growth there, but those users do not monetize nearly as well as North American users. So they want you to pay attention to that aggregate number um, and sort of not drill down into the weeds of it. And so that's problem number one for them, especially among young people. Um, and I'm speaking about Facebook, the platform, as they call it, the blue app, not Facebook, the company that owns Instagram and WhatsApp as well. Mm -hmm. So among young people, Facebook, the, the platform, has for sure fallen off. Oh, yeah. Well, as soon as grandma started using it, then it became yeah. more uncool. But 
I mean, everyone's on Facebook, even these young people, even if they're not as active. For on sure. It. But I mean, the fact but that's a fact is that I mean, that this is in their SEC documents. So, I mean, it's it's a fact that their monthly active users are down in some of those really important segments. Uh, and the second is that they've basically run out of ad inventory. So from an advertiser perspective, which is a lot of what I spend my time on, um, if your costs on Facebook have gone up substantially, like maybe three X or so in the past couple of years. Uh, and they're building out Instagram as a way to offset that and stories. However, as, uh, as of yet, Instagram feed and stories in general, whether that's on Instagram or on Facebook, just don't work nearly as well as that Facebook news feed. Facebook mobile news feed ad unit is like the best ad unit anybody has ever created <laughs> in the history of advertising. And uh, they haven't been able to follow that up. So uh, it's still definitely number one, and they're still printing money. Um, but from both an investor or an advertiser perspective, uh, there are things to be concerned about. No, no, I, and I agree on that because I'm actually I'm an artist manager, and we're debuting a project sometime next month, and we have an ad budget, and that budget's going to YouTube and Instagram, not Facebook. So we get it. But anyway, back to you. So punk rock MBA. Obviously, you've worked creating content in many different facets, but I guess elevator pitch that for the people listening. Uh, elevator pitch what? The channel? Yeah. Or, or you don't even have to elevator pitch it. I just, I was just testing uh, well, you on your much, own skill set. Pretty much what I said. Um, it's you know basically what I do is reverse engineer uh, trends in music. So whether that's like an artist or a label or a genre or something like that, what I try to do is figure out why people like it or don't like it, why it succeeded or didn't succeed. Uh, and then hopefully, you know, distill that into a couple lessons for anybody that might be trying to get traction for their own thing, whether that's a band or a podcast or a YouTube channel, or maybe a product that, you know, has nothing to do with music or, you know, the creative pursuits at all. Well, what would you say was, I guess, the tipping point for this company for more or for the site, actually, to have outrage for? Because I, I believe I heard about the Punk Rock MBA a few years ago, but I've been mm -hmm. seeing it in my feed, like, I'd say the past few months more than ever. I mean, just based on well, the evidence the, of our yeah. own email exchange, um, I booked you for the show forever ago. The... Uh Basically, what the tipping point was that I gave in to the market's wish for me to talk about music. Um, I initially didn't want to talk about music because in a lot of ways I'm not very interested in it anymore. Um, I, I was much more interested in talking about business, but I had to recognize that what the world wants uh, from me is to talk about music because that's, I guess I'm good at it. Um, and it makes sense. You know, I mean, I've been doing it for over 20 years now, so I guess I have a little bit of experience doing it. And so I, I initially kind of had more like business focused content. It was like business business content for people who are, you know, from our world. Um, and so then I kind of flipped that uh, into being music content with sort of uh, if, if it was business content with an undercurrent of music before now it's music with an undercurrent of business. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes it just takes a while to find basically if you drew a Venn diagram of something that you are passionate about, something the uh, market is passionate about and something that you can execute. Well, you know, the thing you should be doing is at the intersection of <clears throat> those three circles and 
you know, the stuff, the, the content I'm doing now, I guess, is that for me. Well, I was actually, I'm scrolling on the uh, Punk Rock NBA website right now, and my question, even before I started scrolling, was, you know, how do you make some stopped, fucking money? I stopped updating that, like, a year ago or something, because it's just pointless. Well, there's still, it's still a place where some people can find things. So. Yeah. And I found this one where the literal question is how to monetize your content, which is a mm -hmm. much less vulgar way to phrase the question that we were discussing. So... I guess, talk me through what you'd be talking through. Well, the main thing, so uh, I'm going to borrow from my friend uh, Aram Arslanian, who runs a leadership coaching company called Cadence Leadership Coaching. Uh, he also was in the band Champion and Betrayed and some other bands, like hardcore kind of bands you might know. And I think he divides it up nicely into mindset and skill set. So if you want to accomplish anything, you need to have the right mindset first, and then you need to have the right skills to execute on that mindset. And what the, the big thing that I would like to figure out how to do for my viewers um, and what, what I was the, the original mission I was trying to accomplish with that old kind of concept, content that I want to revisit is helping people understand that it's not actually as hard as it seems to make money. And I'm not rich or anything like that, but I'm making more money than I ever thought I would when I was, you know, I mean, even 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and it, I, I would like people to first understand that it's not as hard to make money as you think it is. Um, to, to just first believe that that's true. And then once you believe that that's true, then it's just a matter of like acquiring the right skills to execute on that. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but like basically, you know, if you want to make 80 grand a year or something like that, it's really not that hard. And that is something I wouldn't have believed when I was 23 or something like that. But now it's so crystal clear to me that that is like not even a difficult goal. Um, and I feel like that unlocking that is something that will help a lot of people. And that's for any, I guess, occupation that's There's a million really different ways you could do it. Yeah. Yeah. A million different ways you could do it. And it's going to be easier for an attorney to make 80 grand than a guitarist. But either way, it's totally possible. I mean, that's 100 million percent true. Just look at all these YouTube and Instagram influencers. Exactly. I mean, then that's only one possible way of doing it it's the uh, only for, possible way to do it okay the only. <laughs> as far as monetizing your content what i would say is there's basically three different options one is you can uh sell ads against it which is possible but you need some real scale in order for that to really be a lot of money uh option number two is you can directly monetize your audience by selling them a product whether that's merch or a course or guitar lessons or whatever it is. And then option number three, which is the one I would recommend, is to use your content basically as a business card to position yourself as the kind of person that people would want to hire to do other valuable things. So basically to build audience and authority in a network. So for example, for this podcast, you have, this is a great way for you to have a conversation with uh, people who otherwise, you know, might not spend an hour with you, whether that's uh, an artist in a, a, a band or the founder of some company. If you just like DM them on Instagram and said, hey, can we talk for an hour? They'll be like, fuck no. <laughs> why, why would we do that? Yeah. Why would I just talk to you for an hour? I'm busy. And then but you, you, you say, prove your value. Hey, will you talk to me for an hour with the record button on? They go, yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. No, I get it. Trust me from, because this, this is a new medium for me. I started this Adobe show almost three years ago and I, I rebranded and pivoted from the beginning. I would just have people that I knew in music, whether they were 
artists or managers or A&R, and now I really am just trying to focus, I'd say, 90% on people behind the scenes. And I think that you're definitely, by that description, behind the scenes as they can get. So what questions do you get asked the most in regards to the punk rock MBA? Uh, will you listen to my band? And the answer is no. Okay. Um, not because I'm so important or something like that. The answer is because spamming people with DMs is not a good marketing tool. And so if, uh, what I would say is no, I will not listen to your band, but I will teach you how to effectively market it so you can get other people to listen to your band who ultimately matter much more than I do. So that's the most common question I get. Um, is that Probably. through like one-on-one consults or is that through just like no, email no, exchanges? No. I mean, I, I mean, I have done those sometimes, but I don't really want to, I, I, I don't want to do that. Um, I have lots of videos that I break all these things down and I have more coming. Um, I have lots of videos where I break these things down. And if people, um, are too lazy to, to watch a 14 minute video that will spell out exactly how I did things for a data member or a periphery, then, that's your fucking fault. Then the answer, the reason why you're failing is because you have, you're lazy and you have no attention span and you need to work on that and nothing I can tell you can fix that. Well, I've actually spoken about this very topic on this show, which is, you know, in 2019, there's so many free outlets for knowledge that people like me and you didn't have growing up. So there's really no excuse for certain fallacies. I mean, for sure. Like, uh, do you follow Gary Vaynerchuk at all? I, I, I would, I'd say I'm a passive follower, but I, I'm, I'm more than acutely aware. Uh, yes. Maybe to give you a little bit of an ego boost, I follow the punk rock NBA more. Well, uh, that's flattering, but uh, obviously there's tens of millions of people who uh, follow him uh, much more closely than they follow me. It's but not a competition. Anyway. I was trying to yeah. make you feel good. He... Uh, he he gets this question a lot. They'll say, well, Gary, why do you tell everyone? You know, because he actually gets really tactical about exactly how to, you know, run these campaigns and how to do this or that in business. People are like, well, Gary, why do you, you have an agency? Why do you give all this information away? Shouldn't you charge it? Charge for it? And he said, well, because 99.999% of people, I will tell them exactly what to do and they'll never even fucking do it. So uh, that's the same. That's kind of the fundamental problem here. Like you said, is all this information is out there. The binding constraint when we were younger was oftentimes access to information. That is no longer the binding constraint. Now it is all up to whether you can get off your fucking ass and execute on it. I mean, there's so much stuff out there and there's some information that's worth paying a fee that's maybe 5% of what you would have paid back in the 90s to get a college textbook on marketing for sure or, so but even different. if you don't have any money I, I actually totally agree with that i think it's generally speaking smarter to pay for high quality information than it is to like be cheap and waste i mean how much is your time worth wasting dozens or hundreds of hours like piecing it together from free information so if you can afford it you know if you want to learn about marketing like join digitalmarketer.com and that's 40 bucks a month and it's totally worth it because everything they have is solid gold but if you're totally broke you have no money even then, if you have more time than money, well, that's great because there's all that free information out there, like you said. Um, and, you know, at this point, there is no excuse for saying, I don't know how to do X, Y, or Z. That's, I get that question a lot, too. And it's like, well, show me the 10 things that you go, show, show me the 10 articles that you read about this first. 
And if you still have a question after spending an afternoon Googling this and reading everything you can, then maybe I'll help you. But if you're using me as your personal Google, then fucking kick rocks. Fucking kick rocks. So I guess maybe one more question I can ask you, because believe it or not, we're almost done, is other than you know your own sites or Gary, where do you go to learn? Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's like my main thing. Um, I listen to like pretty much like tech and business podcasts. Uh, Econ Talk is one of my favorites with uh, Russ Roberts. I listen to This Week in Startups with Jason Calacanis. That's another one of my favorites. Uh, the Digital Marketer podcast called Perpetual Traffic is really good. Um, let me see what else I listen to. Oh, Avni Intelligence. The Avni Interviews is really good. Group Chat. Uh, with drama from uh, Young and Reckless. He's a super smart guy. Uh, Sophia Amoruso's show Girl Boss Radio is excellent. Uh, Product Hunt Radio, Startup Store, uh, Mixergy with uh, fucking Andrew Werner is good. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm into. That's a lot, though. That's yeah, a a rec the Recode podcast, Recode Decode with Kara Swisher uh, and, with, and Pivot with uh, her and Scott Galloway. Sometimes I listen to Tim Ferriss. There's another one called Something Ventured, which is like a venture capital podcast that I like a lot. Uh, the Andreessen Horvitz podcast is also very good. I don't know. There's there's so many good podcasts out there. I think that currently is the best source of like free information on whatever it is that you're into. And you could do it while you're at the gym or while you're driving, while yeah. you're going for I a listen stroll. to zero. I consume zero entertainment content, really. Um, I like optimize, you know, because I don't have a lot of time. And so I want to make sure that if I have some free time that I'm making the most of it. So I really don't listen to anything for listen to or watch anything for entertainment. I mean, that's a blessing and a curse, right? It's just how my brain works. I don't enjoy entertainment really. No, I basically, I, this is some, my own, I guess, tools for my own personal sanity, but my workday starts when I turn my phone off airplane mode and my workday ends when I turn it off because obviously with a mobile device, you could, you could be working every second of the day in any country sure. in the world. So I, I get it. And Kelly, my wife, reads exclusive fiction. I call it vampire mm -hmm. porn, kind of like Twilight <laughs> stuff. And I read exclusively nonfiction. So I'm picking well, up what probably, you're putting down. Uh, she's probably a much more chill person than either of us. So What are you talking about? Sorry. <laughs> good, good for her. Yeah. No, uh, she's... I, I, sometimes I, I, it's not because I'm like some super disciplined, like amazing person it's just how my brain works i've tried to play video games or something and it's just boring to me now no i get so, it man the attention span of a grapefruit so i guess it's more it's the opposite <laughs> i have like the attention span of like an apple a tortoise oh you know? i was gonna say an apple i can't it, like kurt blue uh put it to me once i forget what it was that i was like oh do you like this or that and you know kurt is an actual engineer i don't know if people know this but like converge he was, kurt, like, right What's that? Converge, am I thinking? Yeah. Okay, cool. But he was like a biomedical engineer for a living before he did the band full-time. So he's an actual engineer. Wow. And he, uh, he said, uh, um, I don't think I would like that. I think my attention span is a little too long for that. <laughs> the perfect way to put it. Well, I appreciate you putting it that way. And if you wouldn't mind giving the billions and gillions of people listening your socials, your email, your websites, even though you said the Punk Rock MBA site isn't as active. However, really they can check it, yeah. out what you're doing. 
Uh, probably the best thing to do is follow me on Instagram. It is Finn McKenty, F-I-N-N-M-C-K-E-N-T-Y. Uh, anything I'm doing, I will talk about on there. So that would probably be the best place. But if you want to look at my YouTube channel, it is youtube.com slash the punk rock MBA. That's MBA as in Masters of Business Administration, not NBA, National Basketball Association. Okay. Well, I, I assume that, but I'm glad you clarified because you might be a supersonic for some people. Hey, there, you know, if there isn't a punk rock NBA, there should be, because that would be actually a really good um, concept for a channel. Or the punk rock NRA. Anyway. That joke uh, fell there, flat. There's, there's already that. Um, there's, there's a few of those people. Well, let's cut this off before I offend some people. Yeah. So thank you so much, Finn, for doing this show. Every single Tuesday, 5 p.m. our time zone on the West Coast, Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time, the show has a new episode. Sunday mornings, really bright and early, 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. Eastern time. You can go on the iTunes podcast app, subscribe, download every single episode. I believe by now we're in the 140s, so that's 140 hours of interviews, a bunch of consecutive days of free content, crazy stuff. You can go on Spotify, stream every episode, and you can go on adobe.com. And I asked you this at the end of the last segment, but I would say the adjective that I would use to describe this like 45 ish minute time period is informative i'll take it fuck yeah so have a good night thank you